Blog Talk Radio. This is Saida Garrett, and I'm tuned in to Intro to Info with my girl, Makisha. You are listening to Intro to Info with your host, Makisha from D.C. That's me, open-minded, business-minded, spiritual, a little hood, and very nerdy and down-to-earth. And Queen of Hearts from Florida, she's so ladylike, family-oriented, quick-witted, and a real pillar in her community. On our platform, we discuss anything imaginable, but we talk a lot of pop culture, current events, and speak on our personal life experiences. We interview fantastic guests with unique stories, and Lord knows we just have organic fun. And check this out. If you want to join in on the fun, call in at 515-605-9376. We are live on Saturdays from 9 to 10 p.m. EST on the J. King Network. If you are an info for info, tune in to Intro to Info. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Intro to Info. I am your host, Makisha Best, broadcasting live from Washington, D.C. So glad, no, for real, I'm very glad that you could join us right here, right now, live on this broadcast. Some of you guys are listening in the in the uh, archives, so that means y'all listen to me in the future, so that's cool, too. But today it says August um, <laughs> 26, 2023. Sorry, guys, like, I'm a little uh, just focused on the fact that the Commanders won their final preseason game, and we also beat the Ravens, and we going into our first season victorious. And so I am just on that right now. But, but nonetheless, we have a very exciting show because, y'all, today is National Dog Day. And our special guest is a certified professional dog trainer and D.C.'s only certified canine fitness trainer and like i said she's a, a it's a she a female oh my god a female dog trainer so that makes this show all the more exciting my grandmother said oh you took a lot of uh saturdays off uh, did, um implying that i had a hot girl summer which i did but we back anyway let me <laughs> take everybody off of mute starting with our co-host queen of hearts what's up over there in florida hey girl and divine yes i am no rain over all here, right. all sunshine. So we roasting. <laughs> Perfect. I'm glad that you are here. Um, have you ever had a, a dog before? Girl, I have two furry babies. I always have dogs. Love them. And they brat. Perfect. I never knew that. They play your brat. <laughs> so you, you well, were definitely remember one time we was on the air and they started talking in the background. I'm like, wait a minute. They competing. They're trying to overtake the show and they won't shut up you don't remember that yeah 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 so great you'll be a great asset to the show because i've never owned a dog um, my brother has and i've owned cats but never a dog but i do have stuff to add to this show so listen we're going to bring liana on liana i'm going to take you off of mute so happy that you could join us right here intro to info uh hello hi thank you so much for hello. having me 
Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, it's, the funny part about all of this is when I approached uh, Liana, uh, I, I told her the schedule is wide open and what day works best. And she said, how about this upcoming Saturday? I said, sure. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that it was National Dog Day today because I would have picked the same day. Anyway. See, that was brilliant. And I thank you for that because it was right on time. So kudos. Kudos. <laughs> Um, no problem. I, again, I've never owned a dog, but I'll tell you something, Liana. You're based in D.C., and when I say these people love their dogs at every corner, they're either walking their dog or having a dog inside the Starbucks or just bonding with their dog. They're everywhere, and it's becoming even more popular. And I want to say to my friends who are um, looking to get into industries where you can make a lot of money fast probably, and it's a, I say, a, um a bit of an untapped market is that industry. I mean, would you agree? I would say that there are so many dogs in DC and like the quality of care that they get, you know, from the people that live in DC is like unmatched in a lot of, I mean, I've not been to every city, but I can say that, you know, people are willing to go to great lengths to make sure that their dog is getting, like, the best experience. And I think maybe it might be relevant that a lot of people are choosing not to have children these days. So now, you know, the care is, like, 100% directed on the dog. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely, you know, some people say the pet industry is recession-proof. And, I mean, I went full-time with my business in the middle of COVID, and I have never looked back. And this is your bread and butter? Wow, pretty awesome. And it, it keeps you busy. Um, listen, how uh, do you go about getting new clients? A lot of ways. Um, some people just find me online. I'm on a couple of lists of, you know, positive reinforcement trainers in the area. Um, I've actually won a couple of awards as well. So I think people are finding me online a lot easier now. Like I was voted number one, uh, or I was voted top dog trainer, which I believe means number one. And that was a top dog trainer in DC by an organization called Sniff Spot, which is basically like Airbnbs for people's backyards. So you can rent out people's backyards for like your dog. And that organization had a, had a poll. I got number one for DC. I also got top three for the Washington City paper. So people are finding me that way. I mean, I often just pass a dog on the street and give the owner my business card. And, I mean, there's so many dogs, as you said. So there's a lot of ways for, you know, it to just come up organically. Um, I have a couple relationships with, like, a dog daycare, um, Colby's Dog Daycare. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's Mm -hmm. in northeast D.C., yeah, um, so I'm their head trainer, and there's a lot of different ways that people find me. I think those are maybe the main ways right now. This is pretty awesome. I have more questions, but Tamika's on the line, and I want to greet her. Hey to one of my best friends in the world. Tamika, hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 what's up? Girl, we hitting the ground running. I'm excited. We got a, a female dog trainer now, Liana. I definitely want to know, um, have you faced any opposition by being a female dog trainer, maybe by the fellas or even women, that, oh, you a female? Have you ever faced anything like that? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I'd say that in general, I think 
females do face opposition. Um, and so I have not been exempt from that, especially because I also happen to be kind of like a little girl with like a young face. Um, I am 32, but I might look a little younger. So it definitely does seem to not be the most, you know, inviting type of uh, demographic for some people who are expecting, you know, expertise. But unfortunately, the fact is that, you know, it's what I look like is not a reflection of my expertise, you know, I can help. Um, So for sure, I've noticed that being a female does sometimes have an impact, especially with some of the people who believe there is a necessity for like heavy handed methods. I noticed that online, the, the trainers that get the most attention are men. And I speculate that it has a lot to do with the strategies that they, uh, like I, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Some people are under the impression that you have to use kind of like dominant strategies, which I could go on and on about, but uh, the science doesn't always support what the most famous trainers are saying. Uh, So there might be a tendency for people to think that a male trainer would know more based on the way that they get the most clout. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I'm down here in Florida, um, they have a lot of events going on, you know, that they allow dogs to come out there to the events and everything. And I know here lately we recently had, like, a, I guess they had a STCA come out there, and they had a few dogs that you could adopt or whatever, and they were also doing a training session. And I noticed during the training session it was more female trainers than guys. I don't even think I've seen one guy out there. There was at least six to eight women walking around the park and, you know, around all the different functions that was taking place downtown with the dogs and everything. And like you say, they didn't use the dominant or they wasn't aggressive or anything. They were just soft and nurturing with the dogs. And they listened. They just sat there like little babies looking at up at them for the next command. And I thought that mm-hmm. was so cute <laughs> and everything. And then this one lady, she came with her dog, and the dog had on Croc shoes. And so I wanted to chime in earlier when you was mentioning how the industry is booming for dogs and people, you know, treat them like they're babies and everything. She had the dog in crop shoes, and that was too cute. And then you look around and you see people with their dogs in strollers and outfits. Uh, one dog had purse to match her shoes and glasses. I'm looking like, wait a minute now. They don't went further than what I would do for my dogs. They, they lucky they have toys. And beds and stuff, but I'm not going to go and buy strollers, hats, shoes, and outfits for whoever do that. That's up to them. But it was very cute just seeing, you know, all the different style dogs from the Great Danes down to the Little Yorkies to you name it. So, yeah, you're right. The industry when it comes to dogs, um, accessories, dog care, dog grooming, dog food, I spend just as much money on my my furry babies than I do my kids. So she's right, Marquisha. It is really skyrocketing. And actually, just to touch on what you're saying about how, like, you encountered that the majority of of the trainers in that particular situation were mostly female. I mean, 
probably the statistics will show that most dog trainers are female. So when Keisha's asking about, like, do you face any adversity being a female, it's like I'm in the majority, but the media gives the attention to the men. So I do believe that there is, like, some confusion. And you make a great point about how, yeah, those dogs were very obedient, and the female trainers were not being aggressive in any way. I mean, think about any time someone was aggressive with you, I'd say they are not likely to get my compliance, you know? Mm-hmm. That's true. Yes, absolutely. Um, curious to know how dangerous is this job, and are you ever mm, skeptical of any new doggy clients? for whatever reason. That's a great question. Yes, I am. Yeah. So how dangerous is it? I mean, most of what people seek me out for is not like the worst of the worst aggression cases. Um, But there is a tendency for owners to either downplay or like upplay. I don't know if that's a phrase, but you know, sometimes they make it sound worse than it is. And I'm like, trust me, I've seen it all. It's not a big deal. Um, I'm going to be fine. But most of the times it's it's a downplay. It's like, oh, he only does bites when it's like this. And, you know, that does make me feel skeptized. But what I do, I have some, like, security measures in place where, you know, first off, most of my clients, probably 99%, are starting off with a free virtual consultation. So we meet for 15 minutes on Zoom and we talk first. Um, So I have questions. Um, We actually, they fill out a form to even get the appointment. So I already have a lot of information before I walk into it. And my questions are pretty specific. So I can figure out, like, what kind of biting are you talking about? Like, tell me how your dog reacts with um, humans, other animals, et cetera. Um, And then I usually do recommend that the client gets their dog on leash before I arrive, if we're talking about like an in-home private lesson. That way, you know, there are some safety measures in place. I usually have something with me too, like a backpack, you know, and so I might just, you know, in the event, I don't know, I've never, knock on wood, never been in the situation where I just get like lunged at for no reason, not really. Um, There have been a few interesting calls, um, but yeah, you know, it's always nice to have like something, you know, you have to protect yourself. Uh, So sometimes just a backpack or a briefcase might be all you need. We'll see. The best weapon is treats. And I know you probably say stocked up with treats because these dogs, to get their attention, oh, they're going to stand to attention when they see that treat. (laughs) That dog is treat in your hand. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes that is all it takes. Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) Like Scooby Doo, you just imagine how he say, "Hot dog, hot dog." Scooby used to stop for the snacks, so just imagine how the dogs would react and see how those snacks in the hand. Like, sit down, they go sit down, yeah. roll over, stop yeah. talking, they'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> I see that uh, Big Brother Michael Gay has his hand up. Mike, I'm gonna take you off of mute. And what's your question or comment? Hey. Hey, ladies, how you doing? Happy Saturday to each and every one of you. And I'm I'm really interested in this conversation because uh, this is something new. Uh, because I'm a I'm a dog fan. I'm not a cat fan. 
though I've had cats before, but I'm a dog fan, and I see a lot of stuff that's posted on social media. Um, there's a gentleman, uh, he has uh, a website, or he, he shares on on Facebook and different uh, things of how he breeds certain dogs. Now, our family, we used to breed Dobermans, right? We weren't trainers, but we used to breed them. Uh, my dad started doing it uh, through uh, a cousin of, of his and everything. So my question is this, is that where, you know, a lot of crossbreeding had gone on over the years, decades, right, in order to have certain type of breeds of dogs, correct? Um, yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing I think a lot of folks need to look at, that this was not just a breed of dog that just happened to be there, but there was a lot of crossbreeding in order to get these type of dogs that we see now, like the pit bull, like the Corsicona and everything. Um, there, there are some dogs that are not allowed to be in certain countries. Can you elaborate on that and why so to certain countries like Argentina, uh, I'm sorry, and, and Australia? Um, there are certain breeds that are allowed there, but you can't have that type of breed here in America. And then also I want to ask you, um, when it comes to training a dog, um, I saw a video where dogs are very protective over their food. Should you, when you first get a puppy, should you make that puppy comfortable of you being around them because I've seen videos where folks get around the food and, and even at a, they start getting very protective of their food bowl, right? Um, should you start off of being right there, putting your hand around them and this, that, and the other? You follow what I'm saying? In order for them yeah. to not look at you as a threat, taking their food. That's a great question. And I'm glad that you specifically mentioned putting your hand around it and in it because for a while that was – something that a lot of people were advising, but it is considered old school at this time to suggest, you know, putting your hand in your dog's meal as a way to make them feel comfortable around food. Because here's the thing, you are correct in the fact that if you are just getting a puppy and you want them to feel comfortable when you are around their food, you do want to do that. You want to make them feel comfortable. But is it putting your hand in their meal? Probably not. Think about why they get protective. They're basically, we call this resource guarding. They're basically guarding a resource that they possess. So if a dog does not feel comfortable with you around their food, it's because they're feeling insecure about the likelihood that they will continue to maintain possession of the item. So would putting your hand in the bowl make them more secure or less secure? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean putting your hand in the bowl. I'm saying, oh. you know, there's a lot of folks. I'm not saying putting your hand in the bowl because, right, they're eating. I'm saying that there's a lot of folks who may adopt a dog, right, and, 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 and you know, they take them home and they're feeding them and everything, and they go to pet them like, good girl, good boy, and all of a sudden the dog just reacts. Follow me? I'm not saying put your hand in the bowl, no, because I wouldn't put my hand on your plate or in your food, you know, but, you know, us as humans, you could pat a person on the back while they're eating and say, hey, man, you know, great barbecue or whatever. In the dog world, though, dogs are very protective of what's around. Now, as I said, we used to raise Dobermans at one time, and this was many years ago, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm a lot older. I was younger. 
and we had two 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 Dobermans, and I went to feed them. The male, no problem. I could pet him while he was eating. The female started growling at me. You know what I did? I grabbed her by her muzzle, and I'm going to be honest, and I smacked her in her damn nose. And then I got down on the ground right there by her bowl. And she looked at me, and she slowly went over and continued to eat. But she never growled at that point. That's a true story. I believe it. Um, I would say that if you are asking, should you make a dog feel comfortable around their food, the answer is yes. There are Mm -hmm. lots of ways to do that. Uh, I wouldn't probably recommend doing it the way that you did it. Sounds like it worked out for you in that moment. Uh, if you're saying that dogs, if you're saying that dogs are protective over their food by nature, I would disagree. If you've done things the right way proactively, then they shouldn't be uh, protective over their food. Sounds like this mm-hmm. dog had a reason to be. You know, there could be a lot of reasons why. Um, don't love the reaction, but yeah, I I could argue that some forceful responses are going to cause resentment and make the association to you being around their food worse. But I never had a problem after that. After that, she never growled at me. After that, I think that uh, I'm just saying, I'm, uh, okay, this is just one dog. It, it may not work yeah. with everybody else. But at that yeah, moment, right. I'm, I'm saying it where that's what hit me is that where, no, your, your ass ain't going to growl at me. I'm the one feeding you. Okay, I'm, I'm, I mean, you depend you depend on me to give you your food, but you're not going to look at me as being an individual who is trying to not feed you, you know. But you got to accept the fact I'm going to be in your presence, and that's what I I, I guess when I think that, and, and we're talking about many, 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 many years ago, okay, back in the '80s. But after that point, uh, when I did what I did, I know a lot of folks say, "Oh, you're being violent." But, no, that's part of a training to a certain extent. A lot of folks say you don't have to be violent, but that worked at that point in time. And she Wait, never so did it again. Leona, as, as a professional, what Mike just said, is that part of training? Is that part of training necessary? Because I feel like, no. No. I, and I'm no. being a female, Mike, when you said that, I was like, oh, that's, that's mean. But I just want to know from a professional standpoint, mm-hmm. how much? Do you agree or disagree with him? Yeah. Uh, violence is not necessary in any regard, and that's not because I'm a female, and that's not because I'm a pacifist in any way. Like, it's not even an ethical thing. I'm not mad that you used your hand because I care about, you know, I obviously care about the treatment of animals, but that's not even necessarily the reason that we don't do it. Because there are plenty of people mm-hmm. like you that feel like it could be necessary. Uh, but those people have not been educated formally in the okay. science of animal learning. Uh, so what the evidence shows is that it can make things worse to use those strategies. Um, anecdotally, there might be one guy with one dog where it worked out one time. Not something I'm going to base my protocols off of. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. and the thing is, uh, uh, and keep in mind, I wasn't an adult. I was a young kid at the time, okay? So we're talking about the 1980s, and, but it just hit me wrong, you know, because the male was cool. 
the female, she 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 was she had a totally different attitude, period, than the male. In fact, Caney, if she got out the gate, everybody knew run, hide, because Caney would go after anything running. Okay, she just was an aggressive dog, right? So you had to tone her down. Hans, uh, he was the type who could come out, sit on the porch, and everything. We could not let Caney be around anybody else because she was unpredictable. See, so that's the difference. Uh, also, if you can uh, uh, share on that, where you got two dogs, where one is more aggressive and the other one is more laid back, you know. Hopefully, yeah. you can share on that. But no, Definitely. but I did that, you know. But I did that at that point in time because I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, I'm your master, basically, right? I am the one who is feeding you. I cannot let you feel like uh, you are the uh, alpha in this backyard, right? Can't make you feel like you could do whatever you want to do when I come out here to feed you. That's that's the thought process I had, you know, where, no, uh, no, you you have to obey by what I'm looking at, you know. Um, So that's that's why I did what I did. And then after that point, again, again, I want to say this now, shut up. But after that point, I could go to her while she's eating, she would not growl anymore. She, I think at that point she knew, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to even try to, you know, I'm not going to be aggressive. She would just, you know, look me every now and then while she was eating. I would get down there after her bowl, and she'll glance at me from time to time, but she'll keep on eating because I never put her hand, my hand in her bowl. I was just right there by her. You follow me? Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons for behavior to occur. Um, so in the event of growling or whatever other things has caused this label of aggression, like when you say that, you know, the male was one way, but the, the female, she tended to be more aggressive. You know, mm-hmm. the word aggressive is, is a word that is collecting multiple observable behaviors. And one of them sounds like it was a growl in the context of food bowls. So like if you're asking, um, you know, are there different personality types and behaviors? For sure. Um, there are lots of ways to tone down aggression that are going to be more effective and get you long-term results. And those okay. are going to be through positive reinforcement. Um, the alpha dominant thing was uh, also disproven a long time ago. But again, going back to male versus female trainers, the reason people still think that that's a thing is because there are some male trainers that really like it. So it does uh, sell well, but the uh, study that made the dominance theory in the first place was actually refuted by the same guy who made it just a few years Mm -hmm. later. So the whole alpha dominance thing is unfortunately not um, something to lean on for factual information. Interesting. I, I would like and, to see you. Uh, Queen, real quick, I just want to see you actually on. I want to look on your um, Instagram, and hopefully, it's some type of footage of you like in action. And I, I'm done. Go ahead, Queen. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I just wanted to piggyback on what she was saying about the being uh, aggressive with a dog and stuff. When you train them to be that way. And when you don't need them to be that way, they still don't know how to turn it off and turn it on unless you somewhat, like you say, train them 
in that manner. And I always told my kids when we had the pussy and we was training our pussy, you like a, a mother slash bigger sister to that puppy because they're no longer with their mama or their daddy. So they don't know how to act in certain situations, and they're going to be afraid. And on, on impulse, first instance, they're going to growl because they don't know you. They're trying to get to know you. You're trying to build a bond. So let them smell you. You know, like she said, come with a calm approach, this and the third. And then eventually they'll get out of that norm of growling and everything. They'll be more friendly and acceptable of you coming in their arena. Because I'm going to hit them if they come over there instead of with my food. Well, I'm eating. If I didn't invite them, I'm going to snap, and I'm human. And, I mean, I can understand why a dog would do that. And another thing but I queen, also try to train queen, my kids. Queen, if, you didn't catch it, if you didn't catch it, I said, we got these as puppies. We knew these, mm-hmm. these dogs as puppies. So it wasn't like it was new to the family. Uh, my uncle was raising them. My dad got them as puppies. And so what we were doing, we were breeding. It was, you know, because back in that time, Dobermans were the dogs. You remember the, 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 the movies and everything that used to be back then. I don't know if you do. But I'm just saying that where, you know, this dog was a puppy when I first, you know, when it first came to the house. So it knew it. But mm-hmm. that incident, like I said, that occurred, you know, the male was cool with me petting him bringing him him food, he didn't growl. The female had this certain personality, and I didn't like it. And, and, and of course, you guys are saying, well, maybe that wasn't the right way to do it. And, and I agree with you, but at that moment in time, yes, I grabbed her, and I, and I, and I uh, did what I did, but then she stopped doing it from that point on. I think she understood that, oh, okay, <laughs> this is my – this is the person who gives me food. I better not growl at him anymore. You follow my point? Yeah. It's not a normal yeah. thing, you know, to do, but you have to correct the problem immediately. You have to correct right. the problem because this is the dog that you, you, you think is going to protect you and, and, and you have trust in. But if the dog has a certain uh, attitude toward, towards you, now that's the problem. Uh, all right, so being the certified professional expert on the line, I'll just tap in and say, first off, there are a lot of reasons why that might have worked for you in that moment. Um, I will also say that, like, more data is going to show the truth of a strategy. So when we talk about that one time that that one thing happened, um, right it's not necessarily going to be enough to uh, be exactly cause and effect. You know, like if, for example, I have a headache and then I pet my cat and then my headache goes away, is it because I was petting my pet? You know, maybe, maybe not. It's not, you know, Um, is it because I drank water? It's not clear. Um, But what is clear are all the peer reviewed studies that I base my entire career off of. Okay. It's a, it's a it's lot of people listening. Every dog is not is not trainable. Is it safe to say that you know because it's like some people are different, right? Um, uh, is it safe to say that not every dog is is is, is trainable? Uh, not every no. uh, not every dog is going to follow commands. Um, uh, now down the road, 
a friend of mine had a uh, another Doberman, and she couldn't keep it, and I took custody of it. And when I took custody of it, I had more time to really train it in a sense of where even when, you know how, how you're sitting there in the house and the dog's in the house and looking at your food, though they have food there, they want your food, right? <laughs> they don't want what you put in the bowl. And this one, it was amazing to a friend of mine is that where I, I would tell her, I'd be like, hey, no, go lay down. And she goes, lay down. And one evening I had a guest over for dinner, and she was just staring and staring and wanted to come over. I said, turn your head. Now, I trained her to not stare down, okay, by accident. But she would do that. But the question is this. Is it possible that not every dog is, is trainable? Good question. Um, I would say there is no dog that's untrainable. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. No dog. Some are going to be more challenged. Yeah, like I think every dog can be trained for sure. Um, there's going to be some that are more challenging than others for sure, um, especially because you know we are doing our best with the information that we have. Um, I'd say that I've never encountered one that we couldn't train. You know. Wow. That's huge and commendable. Um, I just wanted to step in and say, like I was trying to say, um, there are a lot of people listening. And so thank you for getting us this big audience on National Dog Day. Um, I wanted to ask you, because, again, I see so many people with dogs, even Queen of Hearts. I didn't know that you owned two. And my brother is purely obsessed. He thinks he's, act- he thinks he's an actual puppy and that his wife is a puppy and children and everybody calls everybody puppy. But what is the appeal from a professional standpoint of 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 having a dog or the trend of just every other person has one? What what's the appeal? Why is this the case? Do you mean for having a dog? Yes. That's such a good question because I actually started my training journey with a cat. Like I had only a cat at the time and I kinda just like she fell into my hands in a way, right? And I was like, all right, I guess I have a cat now. Um, so I was, like, training her, and I thought it was fun, and that's how I got into dog training. So that's the reason I got a dog was because now I was becoming a mm. dog trainer. Um, but in general, I'd say people really enjoy, like, how cute they are, right? Like, they look cute. Um, they can be fun to be with. Um, I think those are, like, generally the – I mean, everyone's got a different reason, I'm sure, but maybe people are lonely. Maybe they just want, you know, companionship without some of the Dangerous. extra stuff. For my personal right. reasons, I of, like dogs because... Part of, part of companionship, part of uh, not just companionship, protection, okay, is one thing that some folks look at is protection. You know, um, a woman don't want to walk down the street uh, just to be uh, walking in the evening and not have a, a dog that can be a protector, right? And I'm seeing that a lot, okay? Because, you know, I, I look at some folks uh, will get the more aggressive dogs or the more uh, type of dogs that are considered protectors, not little chihuahuas and all that type of stuff. But then when you're talking about companionship, that's when you look at the people that get like a poodle or Chihuahua, and it's not only just women. Men get smaller dogs too, okay, for companionship. I've known There's many a lot of them. reasons. There's a lot of reasons mm-hmm. to get a many dog. Many reasons, exactly. Oh yeah, 
like I was saying, uh, for my personal reason, I have the dog because they're they're nurturers, they're obedient, they're right there by your side when you need them for whatever reason. They're there when I'm sick. My dog know I'm sick, and she won't leave my side. Neither one of them, you know. Like she said, they easy to train, you know, and a cat, a cat, a loner, a cat go go off and do their thing. And when they feel like being bothered with you, they may be with you for 2.2 seconds, but they off to do their thing. Dogs are more, <laughs> my dogs are very clingy, clingy. And my do- uh, daughter's dog, the smaller dog, that's her, um, she has, she suffer with anxiety. So that's her, res- not a rescue dog, but um, what is it, what she call it? Mom, that's my, um, what's the other word? Not the rescue dog, but whatever. The people that suffer with anxiety, PSPD, this and the third, they get the dog mm-hmm. and they help them with that and keep that them calm. So that's, that's what she. A service dog. It's not it's a, a service, service dog because she don't have no medical issues. I'm trying to think of the other term that they use for the kind of dog that hmm. she has. Um, she is it Emotional, emotional support. support. So that's what she has the dog mm-hmm. for, for emotional support. It's still service. And she so. likes to dress her mm-hmm. up. So that's her little baby dog, furry baby. <laughs> yeah, that's not a great baby dog. <laughs> and you know, what's so funny is that I had a cat that my uh, my adopted daughter had got. I don't know how this cat wound up on my front porch in the middle of winter as a kitten, but I think she brought it home and, and, and you know, I heard the meow and I'm like, all these cats out here, and wound up bringing them in. But what's so funny about this cat, I would go for a walk. Uh, I lived on the on a dead-end hill, and I would go for a walk. This cat would follow me. And a, and, a, and a guy that was sitting in a truck said, is that cat trained? I said, what do you mean? I've never seen a cat follow its owner walking like you walking, because I would walk up the hill, walk back down, walk back up. And she would stand right, I mean, she would walk along with me. That's not normal yeah. in most folks with a cat, you know, how a cat acts compared to a dog. But, yeah, she cats would be can, right on my side. Cats can definitely be trained. I'd say that when I didn't live in the city, my cats spent a lot of time outside. And every time I took my dog on a walk, they would also follow. So, like, I don't know, they're just, they're not that different, you know. They're the thing about behavior, and this goes back to, like, what we were saying earlier about, mm-hmm. like, even the female dog that was a little aggressive in your childhood experience, is that behavior is, like, always a reflection of past experiences. So if that cat had a positive experience following you around, you know, just like my cats were, you know, they just, they're always learning. The brain, whether it's a cat, a dog, a person, whatever, it's always learning, you know. Um, Tamika, I know you had a question or a comment. You're texting me. Um, Mike, I got a, a text message. Somebody said they would have growled at you too. So <laughs> but go ahead, Tamika. <laughs> I can, no, no, no. I know who that probably came from, but, but, but go ahead. <laughs> um. So my question is, I guess, how do you, and, and speaking about the emotional support, a lot of rescues have something, you know, where they may have been traumatized and that kind of thing. So how do you, the training with those type of dogs, some of them have anxiety, some of them get scared when there's thunder outside. Like how do, how do you support that type of dog 
Yeah, good question. So from a training perspective, um, you can do a lot of things. There might be desensitization when it comes to like, you know, particular triggers, like let's say that it is thunderstorms or maybe it's just trucks or like certain types of people or whatever, you know, whatever's triggering a dog to be fearful, we can, one, desensitize them to it, which is a very strategic process. It's not just exposure. A lot of people think that desensitization is like, okay, just expose them to it and that's it, right? But, you know, you have to do it the right way, again, strategically, or else the opposite occurs. And that's what we call sensitization. And that's usually what you're talking about, where they do feel uh, pretty anxious when the thunderstorm happens or whatever. So that's one way that we do it is with strategic desensitization. Um, we also like to use counter conditioning, um, which has a little bit of the desensitization in there. It's more about changing the association into something positive. So if they, you know, don't like other dogs, we might um, just, you know, right now at that point, it's a negative association that they have with other dogs. We might want to pair up their experience with other dogs with, for example, a high-value treat so that over time with enough repetitions, that dog will learn, oh, actually, every time I see dogs, I feel pretty good, and it's because of how we've, like, treated them um, with, again, high-value treats. Um, there's a lot of different strategies. Um, when it comes to anxiety, you want to use kind of small increments of progressions, kind of micro-dosing is how I like to compare it, you know, just giving them little bits and making it a really positive experience. Well, they got a product out here called Thunder Chest, okay, and I have to ask you that real quick. Uh, I just pulled it up because I've seen the advertisements and everything. These vests for dogs to make them, you know, feel comfortable during storms. What's your uh, thought about that? Have you ever used it? Have you ever experienced that? But this is something that's like a life jacket, I guess, for dogs. Uh, what's your take on that? Do you think this really works, this product works? Good question. It depends. I'd say that the Thunder shirt has worked because compression does often ease some symptoms of anxiety. Um, it definitely, when it works, it manages the symptom, which means it doesn't get to the root cause, but it can definitely make your dog feel better. Does it always work? No, that's my experience, but um, you know, it can, uh, just depends kind of like a weighted blanket and maybe even like a hug, you know, if you've ever felt like a little anxious, there were probably some mm -hmm. hugs that helped you and then some hugs that did not. So that's kind of how I feel about those. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Queen, I know you were about to say something. Yeah. I just wanted to um, inquire about whenever she is doing her training, and speaking with the dog, do you, <laughs> I'm laughing because my son feel like when he's training the dog, he has to give this long, drawn-out speech like he's talking to a human. And I say, <laughs> no, they listen and they obey by simple commands. And I only use one or two-word commands. How, how do you talk to the dog? Do you use one or two commands or you do a long, sentence-type speech Yeah, that's when you're giving them orders? That's a good question. I don't usually like do long paragraphs, that's for sure, especially because like if they've like I'm not going to say that they need a one or two word phrase, but yeah, the more complicated that your speech gets, the the more they're going to have to guess 
what you want because they are not privy to like the grammar and syntax of the English language or any other language that is verbal. So uh, do they know things that you are saying? Yeah, but it's going to have a lot to do with, again, learning history, and that's going to have a lot to do with consistency. So sometimes I'll use a whole sentence, but it's the same sentence that I use every single time, and that's the consistency that gives the message to the dog, you know? When I say, do you want to go on a W-A-L-K, I'm not going to say it right now because I'm in my home with my dog, but, you know, when I say that, that's multiple words, but because I've used it consistently, the message comes across, definitely paragraphs are going to get lost, leaving a lot of room for interpretation, you know. I agree, because they sit there and they look at him like, what are you, <laughs> how the puzzle looks like, what? Huh? Yeah. And I'm like, boy, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Use the kiss method, okay? Yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> keep it simple, stupid. That's right? right? I said, keep it simple. Um, Sam, you had Can another question? Wait a minute, I have one more. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, but I wait. It's just, um, okay, who's going to say along those lines of you talking to the dog? I have, I have seen you know, friends that have animals that they've had maybe 10 years where they'll, they literally talk to the dog like they're talking to one of their children, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like, okay, I know you heard me calling you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the dog will just kind of look around and like, mm-hmm, and just walk yeah. away. So, you know, they, I guess over time they do know and understand. They just want to do what they want it to do. Um, but my question is, um have you ever met an owner where you made where you felt like maybe they shouldn't have a dog? Like I know some people they just want to have an animal, but they don't really they're not really in tune. I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. That's such a good question because I'm not gonna say that like like I probably never encountered a human where I was like, man, you shouldn't have gotten a dog. But I'm only refraining from thinking that because I'm grateful that the dog is not like in a shelter, for example. So I'm happy that, that the person got the dog, but there are definitely times where I'm thinking to myself, did you not expect this to be as challenging as it is for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That does happen. But luckily they, you know, made a good choice by seeking help and they found me in particular, which is an even better choice. So I can help them and we get through it. But oftentimes there is like a layer of frustration that I, that we have to peel off before we can even get anywhere. You know, like we can't get to the, to the evidence-based practices if you're so emotional about why it's so hard. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But I have to ask you this question real, real quick, uh, uh, and I know I thought I was going to shut up because, uh, I mean, I really love this conversation when it comes to dogs because I'm, I'm looking at when a, when a dog has that curiosity look on their face, right, you've seen the videos where the dog, like, turns his head like, huh? like Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. right? Like, huh? What are you talking about? You know, that type of response. And does tone of voice make a difference. You can say a lot of stuff to a dog. Of course, he doesn't understand English, but, you know, if you say so many words and then, and, 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 and expression, 
I think expression mm-hmm. really makes a, a, a difference of what the dog sees from you, okay? And they understand that expression. But can you elaborate or can you tell us about uh, how a dog uh, uh, does that Scooby-Doo look, like, huh? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and turn his head, like, what are you talking about? You know, and yeah. also the tone of voice and your expression when you're talking to the dog when you're looking at them eye to eye. Yeah, definitely they are master uh, readers of body language. So, right, like your expression is going to be very relevant if they're looking at you. Um, I have, like, a lot to say about that, so I'm going to try not to go on a tangent. But uh, tone of voice is, yeah, relevant as well. And I think that goes back to consistency, right? Like if you are the type of person that uses one type of tone, and then it switches up, like, that's going to become a novel sound for the dog. And so that might become relevant because the dog is thinking, like, you know, this is different. Um, But when it's consistent, that's also going to be relevant because it's how you talk to them, you know. So definitely tone of voice is relevant in a lot of ways. Um, Your inflection, uh, like, you know, when I say, do you want to go on a WALK? Like, I definitely say it a certain way. And when I say it like that every time, the message is always going to be clear because of the consistency. So I think that it goes hand in hand with like what we were just talking about um, with the head tilts that you're talking about. I'm under the impression they do this because they're trying to get more information. Like they're turning their ears to hear better or, uh, or again, in order to like get better uh, proprioceptive feedback. I don't know if that's like the right, you know, again, I'm not like a medical professional, but um, that's what I'm under the impression. Does that answer that question? Yeah. Okay. I, um, go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I like how she mentioned um, about dog shelters and stuff like that. She preferred them to be with the owner versus at the shelter. Because I recently reached out to different dog shelters that are maxed out to capacity and cannot um, take any surrenders because so many people that felt like they can't no longer handle the dog or um, can financially support the dog, this or the third, they're turning them in. And these shelters are so full to the point where now that used to not be no kill are turning into kill. And they said they cannot find a home within 30 days or so. They have to inspire the dog and kill them. And I'm like, wow. Terrible. And you have to pay to have that done, which that's like me murdering my dog and I'm paying to do it. It just, it hurt in my heart when I found that information out. Yeah, it is really painful to know about that. And it's, I mean, it's everywhere and it gets worse in some places, you know. It varies from state to state. It really does, county to county. It definitely varies. Uh, There's some counties that that will try to hold on to uh, certain animals as long as possible. But, yeah, it's it's sad that because uh, even when I was a child, I remember being at a – at a location, and they were showing where well, they weren't showing, but I just happened to walk past and see where they were taking animals who were uh, 
killed, as you said, and putting them into a uh, truck, you know, like a garbage truck. I remember mm-hmm. as a child seeing that, and and dogs, cats, you know, you you name it, raccoons, anything. Um, they would put them down, and and you know, it went into a truck, and obviously somewhere they're being disposed of. So yeah, that that's sad. So yeah, I follow what you're saying. This interview is lit. I'm enjoying it. I'm basically sitting back taking notes. I do kind of see the the uh, similarities between dogs and humans, though, with the with how you train mm-hmm. them. Now, when you train somebody at a job, you have to have patience because people learn at different paces, and you want to make sure yeah. that they get information accurately and are learning. And I'm kind of seeing it translated for your position as a dog trainer as well. I'm, I'm, I'm like, wait, that's that's what it looked like when I train somebody at work. Talking your lower voice, be patient, be consistent. So <laughs> to point that out, that hey, sis, I'm going through a training course. Last week I went through a training course. You know, I work for Walmart. I'm a manager there. Um, I, I have three departments. I always look, um, and I have to go back to training next week. You know, but you know the way it works it is is it's really interesting, but hell, it's tiring because I'm sitting down for eight hours. I'm used to be up and walking around and doing my job in the store. You follow me so um but getting the information is very important, so I think this is a very interesting comp- uh conversation that we're having mm-hmm. so i I appreciate your guest. And all, everyone that has the questions and comments, it, it's something that, you know, is very interesting. Yeah, I'm enjoying Thank it, you. too. And, and it can be really yeah, tiring to train people, right? <laughs> or train dogs, like training at all. It's a process. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I feel like... Especially when they puppy. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to uh, industries that people don't think about when they're coming up, this is an industry. I want a full circle moment to say it again, that this is an industry. It's like, oh, what's an uh, industry where you don't need to go to college? I don't think you need college. Um, that can be lucrative. This is one of them. I'm telling people, doctor, lawyer, um, record company exec, that was a great, but there's so many jobs people just don't think about, and this is one mm-hmm. of them. I'm trying to, and I, I, I teach at Howard. I'm trying to teach my babies like there's it's ways to make money. Trust, especially in this area. <laughs> so, Leon, I want right. you to um, definitely give anybody who might be interested in going into this field advice first, and then I want you to um, give uh, the ways that you can be contacted if somebody's interested in receiving some of your services. Yeah. Okay. Good question. Um, so. Before I tell you how to contact me, the first question was, what's some advice for someone who wants to become a dog trainer? Is that right? Right. Or somebody who's just relatively interested in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you're right. that Right. You do not have to have a college degree to be a dog trainer. In fact, you don't have to have much. You know, there's a lot of people out there just saying they're a dog trainer, and that's kind of all you have to do because there is it's an unregulated industry. You don't have to have a license. Um, there is no license. There's certifications. 
Um, but again, you don't even have to have that. You could just put dog trainer on your business card and probably, you know, people will think you are one. But do I recommend doing that? No. Um, I do recommend getting a certification. There's a couple out there. There's probably a lot, but there's a couple that are more reputable than others. Um, so I suggest people looking into those. That would either be the Karen Pryor Academy or the Council for Certified Professional Dog Trainers. Um, so that's like one way to get started. A lot of times, though, when you are sitting for a test for these certifications, you do have to have hands-on experience um, and you have to get the information to pass the test. So usually I recommend getting an apprenticeship. That's how I became a dog trainer. Basically I paid someone to be their apprentice. Like, so I got a mentor and she taught me everything I needed. She had clients that I could work with so I could get my hands-on experience. And then I sat for the test and went from there. Luckily, I offer an apprenticeship with my business, so you can find um, any information about me on my website. That's lianafit.com. You can also uh, follow me on Instagram. That's also just lianafit. So lianafit is L-I-A-N-A-F-I-T. The fit is because I also do canine fitness. Um, so that's basically like working out for your dog. It's really fun. Um, talk about, you know, things you can do that are unusual with dogs. That's going to be, uh, really beneficial. It actually increases lifespan and prevents injury. Um, but we're doing a workshop this September 16th for canine fitness. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, go on my website for that one too. But yeah, an apprenticeship is a great way to become a dog trainer Advice is, I guess, you know, know your stuff and be good with people because you're not just dealing with dogs. Um, but yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it because I I do have a friend of mine who's a dog trainer uh, here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, well, actually, just outside of it, uh, it's a place called the Dog House. In fact, what they do, they they they, they will babysit your dog when you're out of town and everything. And this guy, I've seen where he would bring dogs in and get them uh, used to being around, you know, people and everything. Uh, awesome guy, you know, awesome guy. Um, and he knows his stuff. So I, I appreciate you sharing that information about being the dog trainer. I want to ask you one more question. Dog parks, how do you know when a dog will be, you know, uh, non-aggressive or, 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 or want to be involved into running around with other dogs. I've seen videos, I'm sure you have, of some aggressive dogs have been put into a dog park and then the fight will break out. But uh, can you share that about, you know, if you have a dog and how to introduce them to a dog park with yeah, other dogs? Yeah, sure. That's a good question, yeah. Because um, dog parks do come with a risk, you know, right? Uh, there's a lot of dogs, and even if your dog is – very willing to participate and very well socialized and perfect, you know, there's still risk involved because you don't know what the other dogs are like, you know, even mm-hmm. though your dog is perfect. Um, so if you're asking like how to tell if they want to be involved in that type of environment, uh, you would want to look at their body language and uh, actually going back to like, you know, when we were talking about aggression, uh, there's very rarely an act of aggression that was not uh, 
what is the word? Not transmitted, telegraphed through body language. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even in the case of like the dog being protective over the food, there was likely some signs before that, before the growl that we just didn't notice because like humans are not very good at noticing body language in dogs um, because they are very subtle, the body language uh, in a lot of cases until it becomes less and less subtle, but only because they weren't being heard. So if you're introducing a dog into a bot, into a dog park scenario or something like that, and you're trying mm-hmm. to find out, like, does my dog enjoy this or does my dog want to be here? Yeah, you want to be super observant about body language. And what does that look like? Um, I'd say that a dog that's having a good time is very wiggly, you know, loose body language. The tail is wagging loosely. Um, and probably the butt is and the back and everything's just very loose and like, you know, stress-free looking right. good. Stiffness is when you should feel like, okay, my dog's not having a good time and cowering, you know, you know what that looks like probably. Um, but if Correct. you're trying to get them to see if, if part of your question was also to see how do you get them to enjoy that again, it's going to go back to like, you know, positive experiences, um, maybe more controllable environments to start, and then just progressively enhancing those experiences. Does that make sense? Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Liana. You have been a fantastic, informative guest here on Intro Info. Um, I would like to keep in touch, especially since we are in the area, but that's our time. So y'all going out of here till this time next week. This is myself, Makisha Best, Queen of Hearts, Tam, Michael Gay, Leona, Trainer, and uh, we want to get J J King Network. You all have a productive week. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You welcome. You know.